and that to me is the magic of being around smart people being around passionate mission driven people who are also very flexible they're willing to evolve they're willing to let the market tell us what is needed and then react quickly pivot quickly and 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 so they all ended up in a great place uh, but it was not from a place of great due diligence about the market but it was more from a place of great due diligence about the people their motivations and their uh, personalities Welcome to Prime Venture Partners podcast, a podcast for entrepreneurs looking to build and grow their startups. Learn about uncommon strategies and common traps from makers and doers of startup ecosystem. Welcome to the Prime Venture Partners podcast. This is your host Amit Somani. Today we have with us, uh, we're delighted to have with us Nikhil Jakardar. He is the co-founder and CEO of GenePath Diagnostics. you know we have this term in the industry called serial entrepreneur i think nikhil can probably be both a serial and a parallel entrepreneur he's done many interesting things that we will cover on the show uh, so welcome to the podcast nikhil thanks amit thanks for having me great nikhil so you you know you're sort of born an entrepreneur in some sense i know you were doing your grad school at berkeley and you started your first company right out of berkeley in the semiconductor space then you did another company then you did view clip that you're very popularly known for in india in terms of the you know video on demand and now you're running uh, you know a, a genetics and a molecular uh, company so diagnostics company so uh, talk to us a little bit about just a bit of your journey and you know how did some of these things pan out and how do you come up with some of these ideas because they seem like in far flung fields yeah you know uh, my first company like you mentioned was Uh, during my time at berkeley i was a grad student there i was doing my phd and this was the late 90s dot com boom time and uh, i was just so enamored and amazed by all the energy in silicon valley that uh, i wanted to be a part of it and i had no idea what that should be and i came to the conclusion that the only thing i understood well enough uh, to start a company was my phd thesis and so my uh, research colleague and i took our phd thesis made that into a company and uh, and it was an a perfect example of uh, ignorance is bliss because we had no idea what we were doing and uh, and we just thought if you got a good idea what else is there everything you know is in our control and over the next 3 years uh, through a series of very uh, interesting and humbling lessons we learned that running a business is more than just being great technologists Uh, we were lucky enough that we learnt all those lessons the relatively easy way uh, and it ended up being a big success but uh, you know there is no teacher like uh, you know actually doing it uh, and learning it on the ground and so that's how the first company started uh, but that was some an area that i was my area of expertise however the second third and fourth companies i can't claim to have any area of expertise uh they were not my domains the second one was chip design third one was uh, consumer mobile video and the fourth is molecular diagnostics there i moved into those spaces more because i just uh, enjoyed the people i met at those companies and i felt that they were passionate they believed in the mission 
they were not driven by oh this is this is going to be a big money maker okay, they were driven by you know we can change the world and it sounds very cliche but frankly when you are around that type of energy uh, and it comes across as sincere uh, it's easy to you know get attracted to it and i got attracted to it and i frankly didn't do any great amount of due diligence about oh, let me see how big the market is i said we'll figure all of that out uh and and so you know uh, each of those companies also uh fortunately ended up being very successful but i would say that what we started off with as our hypothesis uh in all cases was never where we ended up as where the company succeeded and that to me is the magic of being around smart people being around passionate mission driven people who are also very flexible uh they're willing to evolve they're willing to let the market tell us what is needed and then react quickly pivot quickly and 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 so they all ended up uh, in a great place uh, but it was not from a place of great due diligence about the market but it was more from a place of great due diligence about the people their motivations and their uh, personalities great so question for you is now how do you let's say you come up with a you know new quote unquote random topic right um you know today crypto is all the rage you could have been doing that you know you're doing molecular diagnostics and you know nothing about it yeah you like the people they're awesome how do you figure out that you are going to be able to make a contribution right yeah. uh how do you go through that exercise i mean yes you're passionate about it but if you know nothing about it um like what like what are you going to do yeah no that's a great question you know uh that probably answers the question as to why i didn't get into crypto right because not only do i not understand it i don't uh, see how i can add value nor am i passionate about it now that doesn't mean it's not a big market and you there are obviously very very successful companies but what i have found is uh when i'm starting uh, when i get excited about a group of people and their mission and all of that i try to understand what is it that they bring to the table and what is it that i can bring to the table that they are not already bringing to the table and view as a whole because for example maybe i can add a lot of value on the product side or on the commercial side or on the marketing side but they have to believe that that's a hole they have and that they want the help and so one of the ways i go about figuring this out is the courting period when i meet a group of people who i'm excited about is not a, a two conversation type of a period it's probably a, you know i would look at probably between 3 to 6 months uh, of lots of conversations ask some of the hard questions have some of the very difficult conversations and difficult in quotes because they are difficult only if you make them difficult otherwise they are just very good honest conversations and and through that uh by asking not questions like hey so how big do you think this market is but rather asking questions like if we got into a place where we had different opinions how would we conclude on them and is it a function of whose domain is it uh if we run out of money uh how much time do we really have to continue moving with it or look in 3 months if i don't get a salary i'm out those are all practical issues and there is no right or wrong answer but there is an answer that tells you whether it's a good fit for you and that's the process i would go through a long courtship uh with tough constructive 
honest conversations and at the end of it if we still love each other and uh, and want to continue uh, taking this further uh, then you know um, it's the right thing to do because by then your your uh, passion has been tested your value had has been had has been tested and i would say the last comment i'll add to that is over time as i've gone further and further down the this uh, journey the impact that it makes to the world again sounds very cliched and sort of high level but i actually believe that as we get older we start thinking about those things a lot more than we thought about it when we were younger and so um, that has also become an additional filter now in addition to am i good at it am i passionate about it but is it also going to make a real difference or am i just you know doing things that are nice absolutely has the has the process of quote unquote dating and finding interesting smart motivated people whether they are co-founders or others that you bring on changed for you across these 3 4 journeys that you have taken you know were there things that you were doing that were very naive say 15 20 years ago and now you are like okay it's a little bit you know more sharper uh, yeah. you know there are many entrepreneurs that we have on listening possibly to the show were first time entrepreneurs they don't have that experience they're like i just want to go make my first big successful company or get an exit or make a unicorn so they're like you know i'm i'm trying to see if they can learn something from this uh, yeah. your journey yeah. now another amazing question because like i didn't think about it until you said this but yes there have been learnings and the i would say there are two points one is a more trivial point which is Uh, the amount of people that come to me now uh wanting to talk about an idea that is worth taking up together has increased simply because of the past credibility but as a first time entrepreneur what is it that one can look for and i can tell you that having gone through it enough my thinking has evolved a lot on this topic uh the number one thing i found is the people who are in the the first 5 10 employees are the ones you're going to spend a lot of time with right and you better better really have a ma- a match a frequency match on your value system okay uh i think that is number one it sounds very you know uh, you know very hand wavy but you can figure it out when you spend enough time with people is how do you view the the same situations do you view it similarly or do you view it very differently how would you act in certain situations and that's something i would never have done as much as i do it now because there have been times where uh, a a potential co-founder was very smart technically could write up code could solve problems in hours or others would take months but the values match was not there and then that shows up in very ugly ways later on right um uh, and so it's not worth it uh you need to get that values match up front uh that's the first thing and the second thing is um is each side each person involved in the early days uh has to be clear about what they bring to the table as well as what they are willing to trust the other person with and they are two very different things because i can bring something to the table but then what you bring to the table i'll constantly question you and i and it's okay to question but not question in a way that you don't know what you're doing right are you willing to truly truly uh trust and you can question but question from a place of i know what you're doing but this is more for me to understand versus i don't trust anything you're doing but whatever i'm doing is amazing 
right? You know, it's you have to have both uh, aspects, right? Uh, and so that's this is something I did not even think about in the early days, right? But now I understand that for the long term uh, benefit of the company, it is critical that uh, you do those aspects as well. No, I love this notion of what are you willing to completely trust the other co-founder, partner, colleague with. Uh, I think it's quite quite interesting. Uh, so, so moving along, you know, <clears throat> you've you've done these three companies. We'll come to Gene Path in 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 a few minutes. And how do you you know you cultivated them and you actually even got I think all of them to successful exits. How do you figure out? You know, when is a time to quote unquote sort of let go, right? And uh, because there is this obviously this you know romantic notion of you're going to build this company, you know, forever, and this is going to be a 50-year institution and all that. But the reality is, technology is so disruptive, the markets move so fast that, or maybe you just picked something where maybe the market wasn't big enough, or the team wasn't all that exciting, or something changed. So, how right. have you decided when it's time to move on? uh from something and 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 maybe just a little bit about the exit process as well if you may yeah you know amit i'll add one more aspect to this question because i think one is the move on that you're talking about when is it time to sort of get out of the company for various reasons but i actually think there's one more important lesson i have learned in my journey which as a first time entrepreneur i was not comfortable with which is you know when you are the two founders uh, a dog and a dream you know you have a certain view of the world and you want to do everything yourself and then you hire your first five employees uh, and they have to be given certain freedoms and that's also you have to move on from i am everything to i am this and i need to let go right and have these people do this and that um, is going to keep happening more and more and more as that company grows and as that company scales and and now you find yourself not being as involved in product maybe right or maybe you find yourself being completely involved in product and not as much in sales whereas earlier you were doing everything and so this is the type of thing that uh, uh, goes back to the earlier point of how do you let go uh, give control and 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 i think the biggest thing that a startup can do and and a, and a startup founder and entrepreneur can do is be very careful about who you bring into the company you know do your due diligence test them out figure out all the tough conversations but once they're in then they're an insider then don't do this i am going to play everything and everything is going to go through me and that's the first uh, you know step of move on right you move on in your role into other roles and then will come the second step which is okay when is the time that this is not the right place for me anymore doesn't mean the company is not doing well or it may be that the company is not doing well but there could be a number of different reasons and i've had to move on uh, four times right uh, and each time it was a startup i either started or ran and then it was acquired in all four cases it, it i was lucky enough that the companies had very good exits but uh i had to make a decision and that decision came down to a very simple rule of thumb i set for myself right instead of making it too complicated i realized that actually we know the answer deep inside us when it's time to move on right but sometimes we're willing to not accept it 
and the rule of thumb became very simple which is if i wake up for a whole month and my first thought in the morning is man i have to go to work it's time to move on you know it can happen a day it can happen two days you know we all go through ups and downs but if it lasts for a month and you still can't get that energy that i've you know out of the 22 years i've been doing this i think most of that period i was like i can't wait in the morning like 24 ideas have come to my mind and so many things have to happen and but there have been those periods when i'm like and and i'll and under i'll give you examples of reasons right in the first company we uh, had been acquired it had been 3 years since the acquisition the technology we had got 60 patents for it was in a really really good place now or at that point in time it was no longer about the next technical innovation uh, it was not about convincing customers every customer in the world which was all the semiconductor fabs wanted our technology now it was about going selling giving a 80% uh, uh, discount versus a 20% discount type of conversations and i said this is super critical this is what's going to get the company to scale but i have no interest in doing it uh so it's not that it's not important it's just that it doesn't appeal to me and so i said time to move on in the second company it was a case where we had again been acquired for two years uh and i found that i was spending too much time you know in meetings justifying you know why certain people should be promoted not promoted and and i just did not find that very exciting time to move on right third company uh, it was more because of a uh, you know medic personal uh, family uh, emergency medical health emergency because of which i decided to move on the company was about to go public and it was in a very very good place but i realized that it's time to prioritize certain other things that maybe i might not have prioritized 20 years back but you know this was the time and so it was almost never because the company was doing badly in this case and in some other case it might be because the company does was not doing well and i was not the right person to take it to the next level but there are various reasons and you have to get up and want to go back in absolutely no thank you for sharing that and you know very very um, uh, interesting um so let let's switch gears and and talk a little bit about some of the new stuff that you're doing um you know maybe talk to us about you know molecular diagnostics and what does that mean really and you know what is it that you guys are trying to do at genepath i of course had an experience uh, doing something with your company and i'll talk about that in a, in a minute or two but why don't you tell us about what what you guys are trying sure. to get done with genepath yeah so uh luckily i myself was in the same shoes as you are <laughs> and like most people are what is molecular diagnostics not more than 2 years back uh but uh, you know at a high level molecular diagnostics is a way to study either the person's uh, genome or the genome of some uh, uh bac- bacteria virus uh, or or uh, and so on in order to understand uh, a certain disease for example with cancer it's not a bacteria or a virus it's a our, our own body has gone out of control so to understand cancers you study the human genome to understand infectious diseases like chikungunya dengue covid you are you study the virus genome right 
to study genetic disorders like alpha thalassemia down syndrome you study the uh, genome of a newborn baby right or of the parents and so uh, molecular diagnosis is nothing but the study of has something changed in your in the way your genome was supposed to be that's causing a certain issue and if you can study that those changes what are sometimes called mutations it gives you insight into what type of cancer or you know what type of uh, the genetic disorder you're going to be facing or is it chikungunya versus dengue versus covid because many of them have very similar symptoms how do you know which one it is and so molecular diagnosis is a study of that and that's what genepath does genepath uh, has both a lab like a metropolis has a lab genepath has a lab and we do all these molecular diagnostic tests to test for these types of things uh, and it also has a, uh, a business focus on selling test kits so that any lab in the world can use our test kits with a high quality and that are pretty inexpensive to study the same test that we study in our lab so that's one part of what uh, genepath does uh, and the second part is um, the part that you have been uh, you had the experience with which is more on preventive health and that's more before you have an issue because the first part is focus on people who have an issue and we try and diagnose what the problem is the second part is you have not yet had any issues but you're moving towards one can we tell you in advance and so that's what gene part does at a high level great so before i talk about the personal kind of uh, you know uh, experience with the product and the company and the thinking what is the difference perhaps in 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 what was the state of the art before you go into molecular diagnostics right in terms of yeah. studying the genome whether it was for chikungunya or for covid or for uh, you, you know your own genome and so forth versus what was the current state of the art right in terms of what people were doing prior for you know decades if not uh, longer yeah so uh, maybe it will be best illustrated with a few examples um and so for example uh, i'll take cancer because that's something that most of us have had somebody in our families affected by it um cancer is caused because our bodies uh, the they do not they don't do what they're supposed to do so they start attacking itself right most cancers right breast cancer lung cancer and so on um it may be because of some external effect or it may be just the body just something drove it crazy and we don't understand what right now uh in uh, for many many years many people died of breast cancer right uh and and so people said well uh, oncologists said well the way to solve it is let's provide give them chemotherapy okay or radiation and it was a uh, it was based on the belief that all breast cancer is caused because of the same issues and everybody gets affected in the same way and so everybody got the exact same treatment it was a, it was a one size fits all okay however what genetics and genomics and all has taught us is if 20 different women have breast cancer they might have had 20 different mutations that caused that breast cancer and if you understand those mutations correctly then the treatment can be personalized for those people and the moment you do that there is no one size fits all then it's truly what has always been spoken about personalized medicine and the way this all manifests itself in terms of so what okay great it was earlier one size fits all now it's personalized 
what does that translate into and what that translates into is when was a one size fits all which for many years was true worldwide and it's still true in many countries including many parts of india the five year survival rate of uh, of somebody who has breast cancer is 60% which means from the time it was diagnosed five years later only 60% of the people were still alive however in markets like the us where they do this personalized treatment based on genomics the five year survival rate for breast cancer is 90% wow and so that's a i think a perfect example of the power of what genomics genetics brings to the table and the same thing like for example everybody is aware that covid would not have been uh, tested had it been for a simple blood test a blood test is like this antibody test will tell you whether you had it by which point is typically quite late a uh, covid will tell you before you even have the symptoms that hey you have it and so again knowing things earlier because of genetics and genomics allows you more time to treat it before people get serious very helpful very very fascinating so i'll tell you what i did with your company which you know but for the listeners so i saw you kind of wear this continuous glucose monitor it's something that you put on your arm and it continuously monitors your you know sugar response in your body based on the food you're eating the exercise you're doing and all this and i wore this for 14 days and uh, it was really really fascinating in fact we haven't spoken about it and and the idea was that you know you will see almost i mean not quite on a real time basis but almost on a near real time basis what how does your body react to exercise how does it react to a particular kind of food how does it react to the sequence in which you eat the food how does it react to uh the combination of the foods you eat and all that stuff and uh, while i did it more out of possibly intellectual curiosity it actually helped me understand better for myself you know what works for me and and my body and so forth thankfully there was no particular issue that that one was trying to solve or one figured out uh, and i could see this being quite revolutionary right not just for you know uh you know kind of curative health but for preventive health right because i have nothing so even even your uh, nutritionist and your doctors were like why are you doing this right i mean you like you're you're like eating healthy you're doing yoga you're doing this what's up with that right and at least so i thought this was very fascinating i could see this becoming very very commonly used for everyone so uh, really had a good experience and i know you've done a lot of instrumentation on yourself <laughs> as the guinea pig not just with gene path but many other things so maybe if you're comfortable you can talk a little bit about that as well and how yeah. you know how i think preventive health can really become very very interesting right uh, yeah. even more than curative health yeah no i think you know amit I, i'll start with the what got me to this point um it started from a personal experience uh, about uh, 10 years back and uh, just turned 40 and uh, you know there is this whole thing that south asians have a higher tendency of heart disease and so uh, i heard that i'd always heard that but you know like every other uh, like most people i didn't think it applied to me uh, <laughs> you know it applies to others yes. and and i uh, uh, you know and i i'm i'm about 6 feet tall i am not overweight by any stretch of imagination i am you know i eat some meat but but mostly vegetarian i don't uh, drink uh, alcohol or smoke uh, everything that you know one would say wow you know you've got every i play competitive soccer and all of that um 
and uh, i went in more at the insistence of my wife than because i really believed i needed it and i found out within a day or so after they done the test uh, that i had uh, heart disease and i was at the 98th percentile of calcification of my arteries for my age that came as a huge shock uh, because nothing seemed to indicate that uh, and and that led me on this journey to understand what what caused it and it turned out that what caused it was uh, some of the foods that i was eating were was what i considered very good but for me that that's was they were not good foods as an example i thought uh, when you're growing up you're always told by your parents please don't have coke and thumbs up have you know fresh squeezed juices you know uh, don't drink bone don't drink uh, uh, coke drink bone wheat or horlicks okay well it turns out all of that is actually really bad advice because the amount of sugar in fresh squeezed juices or frankly even in stuff like bone wheat and horlicks if you look at the packaging you know we don't pay that much attention typically but it's a lot and and then of course this is where your genomics come in right in my case it caused huge spikes in my blood sugar that caused you know uh, me to become pre diabetic that caused heart disease and and if i had known this 20 years earlier i would have stopped many of these things but i was doing them because i thought they were good for me not because i thought they were bad for me right and so i decided to ask my doctors at what should i stop eating and what should i continue eating and they said well you know generally eat less carbs less sugar and eat more protein and more fat and more fiber but that's very vague at least for me so i went on this quest where i as you said instrumented myself up i put every possible sensor one could find a heart rate monitor a, you know blood pressure monitor a continuous glucose monitor name it and i had it uh and i started tracking all the foods i ate and what it did to all these various uh, metrics and i came to this amazing realization that there were many foods that i thought were good for me had very bad influences on my spikes on the other hand there were foods that i thought were bad for me that actually caused almost no issue and when i tried this experiment on other members of my family they had very different conclusions and so i finally came to the conclusion that there is no such thing as an ideal diet however there is such a thing as an ideal diet for you and so that led us to go down this path of uh, creating this program that we call gene clinics which is the one you just described that you went through so that healthy people when they still healthy can go through it and figure out what foods are causing them issues and what are not and together with the help of our dietitians get insight into for the ones that are not working what can you do about it so that like i can't tell you stop eating rice because rice causes a spike but if i told you hey along with the rice sprinkle some methi powder or add some nuts that's an easy fix and if that can solve the problem of getting heart disease later in life or diabetes later in life which in india is a huge problem right 60% of the world's heart disease patients are south asian which is mostly indians right um, and so if that problem can be solved what is the downside right to me this is data driven personalized uh, preventive health rather than people saying hey stop eating this that's not neither data driven nor is it personalized that is just generic advice and so yeah i think you know we take ourselves our health too lightly and i am a perfect example of that uh, 
like I said, I wish I'd known 20 years back what I could have changed. Uh, but for many of your listeners who are younger, uh, and frankly, it's never too late. Uh, start many of these types of things early in life because, you know, why not give yourself that edge? Yeah, I'd love for you to elaborate a bit more on that for entrepreneurs, right? Because entrepreneur is such an adrenaline pumping rush journey that you're like trying to get to the promised land all at once, you know, do the 120 hours a week, don't sleep, don't worry about what you eat, skip a meal, it's all fashionable. Uh, And, you know, obviously there are many others and and folks like you who've been through this many times over where you kind of realize it's a marathon. Yes, there is there's going to be surges and, and so forth. It's, it is not a nine to five job by any stretch of any imagination. Right. But if you don't take care of your health, um, you know, you may not be there, right? When you get to the promised land. So any yeah. any tips for younger folks in particular, right? Who are maybe in their 20s or early 30s of what are some of the things that you wish you did, you know, yeah. and from a health perspective purely? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm going to say this uh, with the knowledge that if someone had been saying this to me when I was in my 20s, I probably would have ignored the advice, right? Uh, and so I'm trying to think about what I can say that I would have listened to myself when I was 25, right? Practically. Because otherwise it comes across as, okay, okay, but you are you have done this enough number of times, so it's okay for you, but for us it's different. It's not different. We are all, at the end of the day, we all get affected to varying levels to all the same things right? Lack of sleep does have an impact. Not eating the right things does have an impact. Not having enough exercise does have an impact. The question is, uh, most entrepreneurs definitely are very data-driven. Uh, they don't like to be given this uh, generic gyan about don't do this, always do this. Each person, each of us has to figure out for ourselves, what is that right amount? But I think step one is to first acknowledge that you know what, if I don't take care of this right now, I might not be there when I'm 40 and 45. And this sounds like, well, it's a, you know, you're just making a scary statement. But I have seen in this last 12 months, six of my friends who passed away from heart disease, they did not have COVID. This is not a story about COVID. This is a story about heart disease, which is the, to me, the biggest pandemic that nobody talks about. Because it is completely asymptomatic. You don't think you have it till one day you either get a heart attack and you know live a miserable life after that or you die. Right? And, and it again comes across as dramatic, but look around. You will all see enough people who you know who recently have had that and it's not happening at 70. It's happening earlier and earlier and earlier. You know, already heart disease kills more people in India than any other disease. Then all the cancers combined Right. And what is scarier is that it's not only happening at a younger and younger age. So heart attacks, 50% of uh, heart disease is happening in people below the age of 50, 25% below the age of 40. So we're all in that sweet spot already. Right. Uh, But more than it's happening earlier, the rate of deaths is increasing. So it is already the largest source of death, but it's also the fastest growing. This means it's not doesn't happen to the other person. It's going to happen to us. Right? I think that's the first realization. But then the second question is, what are you going to do about it? And here I'm not going to propose do something completely huge. Do some simple things. And a simple thing is 
yeah sure go get a blood test but i know what most people do they'll get a blood test once a year they look at the report glance through it and say acha i'm generally okay and then do nothing and after the next year again you do it the question is what do you do on a ongoing basis that you can sustain right if it means taking a 15 minute walk after dinner do it that's 15 minutes better than not doing it right because nobody can say i don't have time to take a 15 minute walk right even at my busiest i might think about my work but i can do it while walking right uh there is no uh, excuse to not take a 15 minute walk if you can do more the better the general rule of thumb is do about uh you know uh, uh 100 minutes of exercise in a week okay if you can do 100 minutes of exercise a week you know that takes not too much time 15 minutes a day right go for a run do a, a biking bike ride go for a walk whatever it is that's one but the biggest 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 influencer of your health is the food you put into your body and exercise is important but exercise is not going to undo the damage that putting the wrong food into your body is going to do and so please pay some additional attention to what that food is that in your case causes issues and whether it's a program like gene clinics or anything else that is out there do it doesn't matter which one it is but understand that your body is unique figure out what you can do to make sure that you put in the right stuff in because you know is going to give you a response back in a way that you don't want to like it if you put the wrong food in so uh it is simple things but easy to implement absolutely we are investors in a company called dozy it does you know your heart rate monitoring your respiratory rate monitoring your sleep patterns so i love what you said that instrument yourself in whatever way you know it doesn't have to be intrusive many of these things are non intrusive now i mean the cgm is intrusive and just measure it and see it for yourself don't look for generic gyan because once you see it given that you're used to running your businesses using all kinds of analytics and data yeah, right. and mises and what have you um, you know you'll see your own body and, and and that will probably trigger the biggest response than anything that you would have read so yeah. fascinating wide ranging conversation nikhil uh just sort of quick last question for wrapping up any interesting things that you have practiced in terms of a reading habit or sources of information or whatever that you would like to share with our listeners maybe any books that have had a profound impact on you anything of that sort as we wrap up here uh you know uh i have to admit i'm not a voracious reader okay i get a lot of my uh inputs one of the th- rules i set for myself early on is i said i want to meet one new interesting person every week and my inputs come from identifying those type of people and it's pre- been pretty fascinating a simple exercise but one that has uh, you know given me amazing uh, insight and value i love it thanks so much nikhil for being on the prime venture partners podcast and uh, great to see you continue both the serial and the parallel entrepreneurship and and love to see you know where you guys take gene path diagnostics uh, to and whatever next thing you're going to cook up uh, some number of years later thank you again for being yeah. on the show thank you amit i really really enjoyed the conversation thanks
listeners thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast subscribe now on your favorite podcast app for free and you'll be the first one to know when new episodes are available just search for prime venture partners podcast in apple podcast spotify castbox or however you get your podcasts then hit subscribe and if you have enjoyed the show we would be really grateful if you leave us a review on apple podcast to read the full transcript find the link in the show notes Oh, 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 oh,